And what is up, everyone? I am Joe DeHoyos. I am the host of Beyond the Woodline. Uh, real quick, before I get started with the with the show, I'd like to give you my little spiel here. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know, I am the executive director for, director for the JRG, which is a Jevding research group, headed up and founded by William Jevding. The guy's got, man, almost 50 years of experience in the Bigfoot field. Um, He's a two-time witness. Of course, he's an author. Got a lot of books. Um, really, really credible guy. Uh, in my opinion, one of the most credible guys in the field. But uh, yeah, if you're interested in helping us out, uh, we've got teams in Maryland, New York State, uh, Louisiana, Florida, uh, Oklahoma, Ohio, Michigan, California, Oregon, and of course here in Texas. And uh, I've I know I'm missing a few more states. And if we're in a state uh, where we don't have a team, uh, we can certainly uh, set you up with somebody. We network with a bunch of people. And I, and I know people from all over the place, too. So uh, and we vet everyone before we set you guys up. So, uh, you know, as best we can anyway. So if you guys have issues or whatever, let, let, let me know. But if you're interested in helping out and researching, you don't have to get out into the field. These last two summers, I don't even go out anymore because it's just too hot here in Texas, and I'm getting too old to be doing all that. Um, yeah, you can do your research from your laptop, your cell phone, your computer. Uh, you can look online, find spots, find witnesses for us, give us suggestions on techniques. We're always open to that. And uh, just contact me at beyond.woodline at gmail.com. We'll, we'll sit down and we'll talk. Well, I know you guys don't tune in to hear me run at the mouth, but tonight I got with me uh, Mr. Justin Brown. Justin, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Thanks a lot for, uh, for coming on the show. And just real quick, man, if you don't mind, um, what got you into the whole uh, Bigfoot world, uh, the Bigfoot, the paranormal world? Well, that is a long story, right. but it but it did have a beginning. My mother is a unique individual. She is what some people would call a witch, what some people would call a psychic, what some people would call a shaman. She's She is definitely someone who has the ability to see beyond what we can see um, into other realms. Um, she sees a lot of uh, what people would call nature beings. She talks to people who are deceased and sees them. And she has very unique abilities when it comes to the metaphysical. Um, I could sit here for hours to tell you everything about it, but um, she is basically what has given me the opportunity to even put my toe into the paranormal waters. Okay. And uh, of course, she being my mother, I would start to have my own experiences outside of the stories she used to tell me when I was little. I'll tell you what, Joe, she used to scare the crap out of me growing up. And what was um, interesting about these stories were she had a sister a few years older than her. And, um, she grew up in this 300-year-old house here in, oh. outside of the uh, countryside of Hillsborough. Hillsborough is a very small town about 7,000 ish people in Southern Ohio. It's about an, an hour drive east of Cincinnati, Ohio, along the Ohio river. And 
Her and her sister used to tell me ghost stories about this old house that was haunted AF, and it scared the crap out of me. And I didn't really want anything to do with it. It just scared me because, you know, of course, I'm a little guy. I'm young. She would tell me stories about this old creepy house that I would always be at and play in. You know, of course, you know, <laughs> me being little, I would, you know, be frightened of anything like that. But if you would sure. fast forward about... I don't know, 10, 15 years into my teens, into my 20s, we moved into a house in town. We bought it from a firefighter and it was completely normal. They were completely normal. That There was nothing strange about the house. So about a year later, uh, the, the man who sold us the house shot himself. And we heard the reason was um, his wife was uh, cheating on him. And I guess he didn't want anything to do with that. So he clocked out, rolled his truck out in the barn lot and uh, took a shotgun to him, his uh, stomach and just blew his guts out. Oh. What's strange is we started experiencing things right when that happened at the house he sold us. Okay. So your typical hunt will start off when you first start to notice weird things. Now, if you move into a haunted house, you will start to notice these things after a few weeks living there. But what was strange was we were noticing it after a few weeks after he took his life. You would hear footsteps up and down the stairs. You would feel a strange presence, like some maybe someone staring at you. But when you go to look, there's no one there. Um, just think things like that. Very subtle things. And that would escalate and fast. You know, if you fast forward, I want to say. 10 years of that on and off. Wow. Uh, my mom and dad got divorced. It was just me, my father, and my then two-year-old son living there. Now, there was a lot of stuff that would happen that would make you question whether it was haunted or not. My mom would say that the man who sold his house took his life. He was the one that was constantly going upstairs to go, you know, meet up with his kids that used to um you know sleep up there and would find us instead and it would confuse him so she made the claim that he was the one you know to blame for these for the activity and you know on one hand we're like mm, okay i can see i can see it being potential but you know your mind at at this stage of my uh, life my mind is just totally trying to be skeptical totally trying to disbelieve it because it's scary and it's not comfortable but there was a point where my two-year-old son was just learning how to talk. It was just me and him at the house upstairs of the home, and he started to talk. He was just at the point where he was starting to you know, speak sentences instead of just words here and there. So he started to talk about a man named John. So I asked him, hey, are you talking about? your grandpa, John, because my dad is named John. And he looked at me, Joe. He said, no, John R. He's dead. So the firefighter's name is John R. And his, that name was not spoken for at least a decade, if not longer. So I'm telling you the, the feeling that I had at that point not only did he say his name, he said he was dead. So I, I just couldn't wrap my head around how he knew his name and how he knew he was dead. 
and just all of that, you know, information coming to a singularity of just 100% fact in my head. There was no way I could see around other than the fact that he was talking to someone who, you know, was alleging that he was a spirit of this man. And it, it totally changed my uh, life. And of course, other things would happen other places, other homes. But when my mind finally clicked into that, you know, reality, that there's something going on. Um, that is what got me into it ultimately. Now, my my dad would pass away in 2011, and that basically got my head into the uh, realm of mortality every day. You, you're constantly thinking about, you know, is he there? Are my family members has passed away there? You know, is there life after death? I felt that void in spirituality after that. And that's when I started, you know, watching the TV shows investigating the paranormal and it kind of lined up with the whole paranormal Paul culture. And, uh, that's when I started going out trying to find groups that would, you know, do paranormal research, like EDP research, investigating haunting, stuff like that. And, uh, but you know, that the whole, my son saying that to me, that's when it started. That's when my mind was locked into the, you know, the whole, what's going on there <laughs> i became obsessed with it yeah that's that's very interesting has your does your so does your son have any abilities or was he just at that time just being uh, every everybody everybody in my family does okay. but they don't they don't materialize or they're not you know i am just at the point where i'm like messing around and dabbling in the abilities like my mom has now my children they all show signs of that but they're not at the point where they they're able to grow and blossom into what they potentially become i think um it was a lot different for my mom for different reasons but it's kind of like very restrained and very subdued because of how we're conditioned in our culture now um right. of course you know it's it's scary <laughs> to think that there's you know monsters in your closets and under your bed and things running around that you know aren't supposed to be real it's it's, it's scary and you kind of want to just compartmentalize that whole thing even though you feel different you feel weird and you might be experiencing things differently than most people do yeah you know and that's that's really interesting you know um you know, like for me, it's almost a very similar story. But um, like for me, I I didn't really experience anything until um, and right around, I guess, 2015. Uh, you know, from the paranormal side, even though I believed in it my whole life and stuff like that, and I grew up, you know, reading all these books and stuff. Um, and my my dad passed away in 2012, but I always felt that he was kind of around. You know. Mm -hmm. um, and um, we had a lot of activity in, in this house that I lived in when I was married. And I think he was part of that, you know, but I also think it was the original owners of this house. They they were the only ones that owned the house before us. And, uh, and, and uh, it was, uh, it was nothing scary, but it was certainly unnerving when you'd wake up in the middle of the night and see a, a dark figure standing right there next to the bed, you know, but, um, uh, yeah, I think my, my, you know, my dad was around and, 
I went through a, a rough time in 2017 through 2019 and, uh, and he made his presence felt for sure, you know, and, uh, once I got out of that funk, he kind of, uh, you know, I guess went about his way and saw I didn't need him around anymore, but it was, it, 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 it was a good feeling knowing that knowing that he was around, you know, how, how, how were you sure that it, that it was him? Um, I, okay. Well, I just felt him. I don't know if that makes sense, but I just felt him. And one day, so like in 2017, I moved out near San Antonio and I was throwing some stuff down to my son. He was downstairs, uh, washing some clothes and he had his basket. I said, here, throw, you know, take this with you. So when I threw it down, there was a light switch right next to me and uh, right at the top of the stairway and it flicked on. And when it flicked on, the light came on. You know, I mean, I heard it flick, the light came on, and I just knew it was my dad. And then in 2019, I moved back here to Houston, and I was at my mom's house, and I was telling my mom, you know, like I said, I was going through a rough patch, and I had just come out of it. And I told my mom, I said, you know, I said, I, dad was always around me. I said, I, I, you know, I just know he was. And I said, one day, I was telling her that story about the washing the clothes, and I was throwing stuff down to my son. And, I said, and the lights was just flipped on. And I said, I, I just knew it was dad. And right when I said that, and my mom was standing right there, the light switch in the kitchen flicked on. I mean, it, we both mm. heard it, saw the light come on. It was, it was, it was so crazy. But I knew, I, I just knew it was my dad, you know? Um, that is interesting. Um, my father actually smoked a certain brand of cigar that had a very distinct smell. And I, me and both my wife, Christy, would smell that from time to time. And when I would smell that, I would have dreams with him in it. Because I normally do not dream. He is not there and present in my dreams. Only when I know that he is trying to communicate something. Right. Yeah. I've only dreamed of my dad like four times. And in all the dreams that I've had of him, all four of them, he never spoke a word. But I could uh, tell that that we were communicating, you know, um, and it was just like one one dream in particular. I I don't know if I was like at an airport or a bus depot, but people were coming and going, you know, had their little luggages with them. Um, I saw my aunt and my and two of my uncles and my dad. They had all these people had passed away, um, but I saw some of my other cousins there, like. Uh, uh, from my uncle Abel that was there. His sons were there talking to him, sitting on a bench, and he looked up at me and smiled. He always had this little smile on his face. And one of my aunts who had passed away, and my other uncle had passed away, they walked right by me, didn't say anything to me, and I saw my dad. And my grandson, he was, you know, small at the time. And I just remember sitting down next to my dad and showing him, you know, Eli, and he was just happy to see him. And uh, he didn't say anything to me, but it, it was like I was introducing him to Eli. And the funny part about it is that when I was talking to people about this dream, they were like, maybe you were at some place where people come and go, you know, which kind of makes sense. You know, like I said, I, I, it was like some kind of depot or airport or bus depot where people had luggage that were coming and going, you know. So maybe I was there, you know, but it, it certainly did make sense when someone explained that to me. Um, but that chewed a uh, juicy fruit you're familiar with juicy fruit and like maybe a month and a half ago i came home and my my house smelled like juicy fruit you know mm -hmm. it, was, it was a straight it was a strange thing but so i just you know i know he was he's here and he's around uh, 
Last year in April, my mom had a party. She had turned 72 and we had a party there at the house. And my dad has a twin brother. And uh, of course, his wife, my aunt, they've been married way before I was even born. Um, so we're there at the party. It was on a Sunday. That Monday, my brother, my sister, my oldest niece, and my uncle, my aunt were going to go to the cemetery to go visit my dad. And, um, so it actually rained on that Monday. On like Tuesday, I called my brother. So I was like, hey, how did the trip go? And he's like, uh, well, we wind up not going because it rained and backward. My dad is at, uh, it gets real muddy, so they didn't want to go over there. Because, so we just rescheduled it. I said, okay, that's cool. He's like, but I got something interesting to tell you. At the party, uh, Maddie, which is my youngest niece, she's 15, um, she, heard, she came up to me and told me, hey, I heard Grandpa's voice. And he told me he was glad my, that she was having the party, that he was, uh, that she deserved it. And he was glad that, that we threw the party for my mom, right? So she heard my dad saying this. And I said, well, that's cool, you know, that, that she heard it. You know, he goes, yeah, but the funny part is, he goes, I called Uncle James on Monday to tell him that, you know, we, we better not go because it's raining and gets muddy back there. So Uncle James goes, yeah, um, I got something strange to tell you. Your Aunt Patty heard your dad's voice at the party. And she heard my, my dad say that, he was glad she was having a party, that she deserved it. And when her day comes, uh, he'll be there waiting for her. And my aunt and my niece, neither one of them knew they heard my dad's voice. So that was just really interesting to me. You know, I, what are your opinions about that? Well, uh, based on my research and all the literature that I've read and my own experiences with my wife's family and my family, what generally happens around family gathering gatherings birthdays thanksgivings christmas anytime the energy the familial energy gets together it seems like all the energy of all your ancestors and you know you, the recently deceased uh parents or family is definitely present at those times it's like that energy does not leave the because the family in my research this is interesting. The family has its own energy construct and your ancestors, your family, everybody in your family tree basically is still consciously alive in that energy in, in some degree. It's not like they're, you know, walking around like we are living out a life, but if it's, it's like they can take our lives and like put it on a shelf kind of like a globe a snow globe and if they pick it up and they shake it and they look into it they can see what's going on and they can somewhat be a part of it and interact with it in a certain way but it's almost like they can just only look in and see so if they're crossed over to wherever they go i don't know where they go there's theories and ideas of course but it it definitely seems and it doesn't matter what culture you're from what religious beliefs you are this is all the same throughout time and culture anywhere in the world this stuff happens and what seems to be very similar is there's this energy um construct is what i'm going to call it um, there's different names for it but it, it everybody is still sewn in and tied and connected within the family and it's very cool that everybody can still be a part of it, especially the living and the deceased can still 
be together at those times. Uh, and a lot of people don't realize maybe how, how much of a blessing that is. Right. Yeah. I, I, yeah. And I truly feel like, you know, uh, it's a blessing that he comes around and shows up from time to time. And I definitely needed him for those two years, you know, so I was glad he was around. You know? yeah. Yes, yeah, so tell me about your interface uh, death paranormal research. Well, um, when I first got started, I found a friend and I used to go to grade school with, got in his group for a little bit, and maybe after about a half a year or so, I decided that I wanted to do my own group. And uh, I, I was doing, I used to be in a metal band. I you know, throughout high school and after high school, I did uh, music and uh, I wanted to start a metal band after my dad passed away called Interface Death. And it kind of played with the idea of connecting with the other side. And I, and that was basically the idea of the band, but that didn't, obviously that didn't happen, didn't come to fruition. So I kind of shelved the name because I really liked the name. And when I started doing the paranormal research group, I took the name and, you know, ran with it for the the paranormal group but i just at the very beginning i just snagged people i knew from school and people who were interested in macabre subject matters and stuff like that that watched all the shows or were into you know the thrill of the hunt and uh it started from there but it and from all the group members i have now it took me a good six seven years to find the people that i kind of settled with and I'll tell you what, I'm lucky to have them because there is still people that's been out doing it for 10, 20, 30, even 40, 50 years that still haven't found a group like I that I have. I uh, I have three other members. One lives in West, um, Rupert, West Virginia. His name is Josh Bender. He had a podcast. He did a paranormal investigation with multiple groups from West Virginia and Pennsylvania, I think. And uh, <clears throat> he was making his own infrared lights and he was messing around with drone photography. And I was filming a documentary in Southern Ohio at this old school. And he did some drone photography for me. And uh, he made some, he had some lights that he was just building. And I gave him some ideas. He created this light specifically tailored for my camera. And once I got it, I was so impressed with it. I told, hey, man, you should sell these so he took my advice and he's been selling you know handcrafted custom infrared lights for the last i want to say five or seven years i think deadlight llc i don't know if you've heard of them but uh they're on fa he's on facebook and he makes really really good infrared lights he's a really really good uh drone photographer okay. and uh, he works on uh, wind turbines in west virginia Oh, nice. So he's basically, you know, I got on, you know, electrical, you know, technician in right. my group. So, and uh, I met Derek Schreiner and Missy Vastine at a Paracon in Ohio a little bit before I met Josh a year or two before. And uh, they were really liking what I was doing and how I did things. And I invited them to a, an investigation. And I liked them so much that. I asked them to be part of the group and they accepted and they've been 
in my group ever since. Uh, Derek was a volunteer firefighter and EMT, and, and Missy had helped do that. Um, but Missy is the one with the abilities. Um, she okay. had a brain aneurysm when she was seven, and she she was in a coma for a long while. And when she came oh, wow. out of the coma, she basically had to relearn how to talk, walk, and do everything. But she noticed that she was hearing things and seeing things um, that she would learn that were people who were no longer alive or people who weren't physically here. And uh, we, I have done a lot of research with her. Um, the, the way we interface death uses psychics in their group is they actually investigate their abilities and they actually investigate the claim of psychic phenomena. And it, it's almost like we're, you know, not only are we investigating a place or, or a person or what have you, we're investigating our own group members and we're using them as tools to investigate too. So it's been super cool doing that because I feel like the more and more you scrutinize everything that you're doing, the better you're going to understand it and the better your, your investigators and your psychics are going to be, because I feel like there's a lot of times where people that do have abilities don't scrutinize what they do and they tend to mislead themselves, mislead others. And they don't understand that they're not like this all knowing 100% accurate psychic, right. you know, that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that's, that's basically what we do, man. We get, we go around the country or not the country the Midwest area. And uh, we investigate trying to use science, but understanding a scientist is limited and how, how it can understand the subject matter um, and when it comes to the limits of science, we try to experiment with the psychic phenomena. We try to experiment, you know, with, you know, using psychics, mediums, and the equipment that has claims to do whatever. We actually try to see if those work. And if they don't, why or why not? And uh, we try our, our darn is to educate the community, the paranormal community on how devices work, what's good, what's not. And uh, we basically have created a website dedicated to that. And that's where we're at. So do you have any favorite devices that, that, that you like to use personally? Cameras and recorders. Cameras and recorders. You know, we'll use, we'll use, uh, sometimes they're scientifically calibrated EMF sensors. Sometimes, you know, they're not. Sometimes we use, you know, devices that measure anomalies in the environment, whether it be temperature, humidity. You know, we try to we try to find if there's any correlations between anomalous spikes in that type of environmental, you know, readings to paranormal phenomena. Um, sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. Um, but that's all we really try to focus on. Uh, we do. You know, we've tried uh, messing with spear boxes for years. We've tried messing with, you know, the stuff you see on TV, like the Ovilus, you know, and stuff that are spinoffs from that. Um, we have investigated L SLS cameras. Um, let's see, um, the DR60. Uh, what else have we done? Of course, REM pods. 
basically everything that you've seen mainstream we've and and we've also had people who make stuff on their own send us stuff or we purchase them to test as well yeah yeah man it's pretty cool that you guys do that i think you, you know that's one way to keep yourself honest and to also cover all your bases you know so yeah i, I like that you guys do that mm -hmm. yeah it's do you guys do uh residential or do you guys that like, go out and do all the other stuff that everybody else does we, we i started to i've done a lot in my earlier on when i first started not so much now because you can just basically debunk a lot of things you know they you know if they send you photos or they tell you you know basically what happened um you can basically tell them that they're not experiencing anything paranormal without going there now there's rare occasions where they are and um there's also occasions where they are experiencing something paranormal but since their house is haunted and they watch too many tv shows and they're uneducated about the subject matter they'll find a whole bunch of things that are not paranormal but that doesn't mean right. that there isn't something going on and that tends to happen quite a bit and it's yeah. it's almost like <sighs> It's a very difficult job, and I find myself w waning away from taking residentials because of the liability issues that you run into and the fact that everybody, mostly everybody that you talk to that contact me, have their minds made up about what they feel like is going on. And if mm -hmm. you somehow scrutinize it or give them alternate explanations for it, they have a hard time with it. So... Right it's very rare that I'll take a case that looks legitimate. looks like someone actually needs help. It's usually the cases where involved people like children who can't protect themselves or family members who are dealing with a death of a child or a death of a, a spouse or whatever. And they feel like they're present, but those cases are rare. What yeah. people need to understand from my point of view and my experience and opinion is people who do not crossover that's a word i'm going to use for lack of a better term is rare it's unnatural when that happens and it persists it's not only rare it's unnatural it's not supposed to happen but it does happen a lot of the times people are dealing with their own psychokinetic manifestations like the parapsychological phenomena like poltergeist that type of thing 99 of the time that's what they're dealing with yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. Coming from the Bigfoot world, uh, you take somebody out, every little limb snap, you know, the Bigfoot. You know, oh, sure. Sock, you know, um, but even like you were saying, people who may legit have had experiences, I, I've gone out with people who have had the hell scared out of them by one of these creatures. And when we go out, I mean, they're the same way. I mean, they're like, oh, what was that? What was that? You know, and yeah. You know everything becomes bigfoot again you know mm -hmm. um you know and it's like you know you certainly did experience this but what you're experiencing now isn't mm -hmm. you know, but, um you know you can you think a person can actually invoke paranormal activity all the time every day we do yeah. right even when we don't realize it yeah and i i i think that because so you you got my mind thinking when you were talking about that and you talked about the gentleman that you know that uh that that took his life i had a 
a friend of mine, he, him and his wife bought a house, uh, well, rented a house, actually. They saw it for rent, and they stopped by, and they were like, hey, you know, we saw the for rent sign. We're interested in, you know, we're looking for a house, because at that time, they lived in an apartment. They had a little girl, and um, they talked to the lady, and she goes, yeah, the house will be ready in a couple of weeks, so, and they hit it at a perfect time, because they were remodeling the kitchen. He thought at the time that it was kind of weird that they were only remodeling the kitchen, but he didn't. You know, they had a good price. They liked the home. Two weeks later, they're moving in. Neighbor across the street comes over there and says, hey, you guys got, got Jack's house. And he's like, Jack? He goes, yeah. You know, he goes, uh, that, that was his daughter you guys were talking to. And they're like, oh, okay. So yeah, Jack had terminal cancer, and he was at the point to where he was just tired of being in pain. And he was, you know, uh, so he, you know, took care of his business in the kitchen. And uh, that's why they were remodeling the kitchen. So that night they're still moving in and my, my buddy starts turning the lights off and on telling his wife, Jack's going to get you. Jack's going to get you. You know, man, they had all kinds of issues after that. Uh, pretty traumatic uh, stuff happened to him. And uh, he blames himself for all of that because one night uh, uh, his daughter woke up like two o'clock in the morning. She was only like five years old. She was on the floor in her room. She was slept on a toddler bed, you know, toddler bed, bed drawing like a foot off the ground. Uh, or her front tooth was missing. But not only was it missing, but her gum was ripped all the hell. Like her tooth went in and the roots came out this way, right? So, her, And they couldn't find her tooth. And her tooth wound up being 10 feet away from her. And, uh, uh, but even before that, he was laying in, in bed all by himself one day and he saw a guy walk by his bedroom door uh, in a black coat and a black hat. And um, uh, he got up, he grabbed his gun and was looking for the guy in his house. And he said the guy was just as, looked just as much as alive as you or I do. And uh, one day his, his father-in-law saw a man standing in his front you know, out in front of his house in a black hat, the black coat staring at the house. And they had a bunch of just weird stuff happen there that that, that really scared him to death. And uh, he blamed himself for that. And he thinks that flashing the light off and on saying Jack's going to get you is what, you know, in, invoked all that stuff. You know, uh, I can see why he, so, yeah. I can see why he felt that way. Um, but that's yeah. not necessarily pro I, I don't feel like that. That's probably what happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Suicide's um, interesting. It depends on the reason and it depends on their psychological state in, at the time. Um, pe pe people who uh, take their own life when they're termini terminally ill is a lot different than most suicides because it's almost like an euthanism a self euthanism. So mm -hmm. it's, I feel like m most of those suicides, more, let's just say more of those suicides are able to cross over th than suicides that come about for, from something like traumatic, like they can, they have to clock out because they can't take it anymore, but they're perfectly healthy. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's a little right. bit yeah. different, but who, who really knows what your consciousness and consciousness ends up deciding once they take their own life, because I feel like there's a transitionary period where you can possibly regret d 
doing what you did. Um, right. Sometimes when you're caught up in your own trauma, traumatic, you know, situation, it's hard to see what, how it affects other people that you leave behind. And yeah, exactly. that, that could be a reason why they, you know, don't cross over and they choose to remain either where they took their life or it, it, it's not necessarily where they took their life because a lot of people believe that, you know, you have a soul and you can only haunt one location. Well, I've, I've discovered that you can go multiple places and even reside, your spirit can reside in possibly infinite amounts of places at one time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I truly believe that too. Um, just real, real quick. Uh, this is Miss Sandra. She's one of my longtime listeners, and I hope you're doing better. She was, she got hurt about a month ago now, maybe a little bit longer. So I hope you're doing good, Miss Sandra. But uh, yeah, you know, like, like going back to my dad, uh, you know, uh, like I said, where I'm at now, you know, he's never been here, you know, physically, you know, but I know he's here, and uh, you know, like my sister's house, and even like my nephew, they're all. They all say the same thing that they, you know, know that he's around too, you know. Uh, so I think, <laughs> I, I think he makes his rounds, you know. I just, I just do. I just think he makes his rounds. He was really, really big on family, you know. My dad was. He was really big on family. He loved, he loved family. So I think he still comes around and sees everybody. So, yeah. The paranormal is weird, dude. It's really yeah, weird. When my, yeah, when my, when my son was in. Uh, uh, boot camp he's like no he said grandpa was with me he goes i know he was with me you know <laughs> okay we're good yeah yeah um do you have a favorite place that you've been to to investigate mm, yeah there's there's definitely places i like to go back to if you know i can uh there is a ghost town in vinton county ohio called uh moonville there's a rail tunnel down a couple rail tunnels down there a couple ghost towns and it is super active every time i go down there uh, I feel like something happens or I capture something. Um, there is a crazy uh, home in Hartford City, Indiana called Monroe House that I've investigated multiple times, done documentary shoots. That uh, is one of my favorite places to investigate. Um, Indiana State Sanitarium is a place that I I've go gone multiple times Waverly Hills Sanitarium is a place I've gone multiple times. Gettysburg. Oh, nice. That's one that's up there. Yeah. yeah I, would like, I would like to go there. I've never been there. I would like Dude, to go it's there. crazy. It, the, it's it's, it's yeah. like you're walking into history over there. Right. So like here in Houston, uh, especially like in the southern part of Texas, we have a lot of history, you know, mm -hmm. uh, with the Civil War. So there are a lot of places here that uh, it's, it's very active also. And uh, I mean, Herman Park is downtown, you know, in, uh, in Houston. And people people don't realize the history there. They're just walking around. And I'm like, guys, people see stuff here all the time, you know, but people are too busy doing their living their lives to stop and, uh, you know, <laughs> and, and really, really check it out. You know, it's like, do but, you yeah. even paranormal, bro? <laughs> Yeah, even paranormal. Yeah, yeah. Um, but people who like security guards down down there, man, they've got a lot of stories about stuff they've seen, and um, 
people that work late at night in like the museums and stuff, they've got a lot of crazy stories too. You know? Oh, every, so, yeah. I've heard so many stories from security guards, people that right. worked yeah. hospitals. Yeah. Just what what's interesting is places that I've investigated that involve a lot of either transient energy where people, you know, like train stations, airports, hospitals, schools, um, even, uh, oh, it escaped me. Um, th this place is where people has gone and collected and moved through seems to be hot spots for high strangeness. It, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Um, it, it's, it's a lot different from like, you know, and like an old farmhouse that has some kind of weird, crazy history that's happened. I mean, it, it, it kind of feels different when you go into a place like an asylum. I, I, I mentioned Indiana State Sanatorium. This place is crazy, Joe. It had a tuberculosis, tuberculosis hospital. It, it was all isolated. It had its own water system, water tower, its own dairy, its own power station. It was like its own little town in the middle of rock nowhere, Indiana and Rockville, Indiana. And there was a, a rest home, a psych hospital, and it was all alienated from everyone. And when you walk in this place, it's like uh, the living dead, man. It's like some kind of zombie apocalypse movie when you go there. And the, the energy in these places, I mean, when you, when I mean by energy, people who are sensitive to psychokinetic energy, they feel it. It's like not even a question. It it's like an empathic trigger of something traumatic happening, or it triggers the fight or flight response to where you know that there's something that you need to be aware of to protect yourself. And in these places, it seems like psychokinetic manifestations are possible in these places more frequently they are in your average place it may, that could be your home it could be at work i mean even your workplace could be active at some points but these places seem to give rise to uh psychokinetic phenomena more than other places and uh it's interesting some people call these places haunted because of those things but what is actually happening is your energy is interacting with the energy that's there and manifesting things that aren't actually the ghosts of dead people. Okay. And uh, it's, it's difficult to explain to, to a layman, but the best way I can describe it is it's almost like the matrix. Imagine a world that is completely like a simulation. And in the simulation, you're Neo. If you think of something, it can happen. Or if you wish something, it could happen. Or if you're constantly worried about something, something could happen because you're worried about something. Or something could happen because you're afraid of something. Or something could happen that is related to something disturbed in your own psyche. So, for example, if... A thousand people like this go to one location where this energy is high. They're going to create a scenario that is like a haunting, but not. 
there's there's a few examples. Waverly Hills Sanatorium, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's yeah, a TB right. hospital in Kentucky. They have a haunted location there during Halloween season. So it's on the first floor, right? It goes by the morgue and down a hallway. And they've been doing this haunted attraction in this, in this TB hospital for years. And the first time I went there, I, I felt like I was going to have a heart attack because wow. people are constantly being terrified in this high energy location. Right. So weird things can happen. Um, there's multiple places I've been to that people just keep fueling and fueling this psychokinetic manifestation. It, it can manifest into your worst nightmare. It can manifest into just the strangest things that you possibly imagine. But the, the idea that I'm trying to, to explain is that these are not actual hauntings. They're poltergeist, if you will. Right. Okay. Um, have you ever been scared? Like legit scared? Uh, in my life as an investigator? Right. Yeah. I've been scared for my teammates. Okay. I haven't been scared for my own well-being. Um, I've seen teammates being affected in ways that terrify me. Oh. Um, but as far as being scared of something happening to me, no. Now, to be honest, the Monroe house, a lot of times when I go to bed at night, it will come into my psyche the actual location will and try to disturb me. And that happens frequently. And uh, oh. it's, you know, it it's annoying and it's, yeah, it's annoying. <laughs> That's the best way because, you know, there's some, there's some entities out there that try to scare you, that try to do, you know, things mm -hmm. to you to traumatize you. And, um, I'm just not the person who is affected by that. If you want to, if you want to terrify me, do something to my family or my friends that will terrify me. And right. there's entities and even demonics out there that know that, and that will do that. If you're not properly right. protected, they'll just kill your children. You'll kill your wife. They'll kill your friends. They won't kill you. Right. Right. So what do you do to protect yourself? Um, you, you basically have to rely on your higher power. Okay. Um, you, if you're Christian, you, you have to have 100% faith that you're protected. If you're Catholic, mm -hmm. if you're Muslim, doesn't matter who you, what you believe, you have to have that faith that you're protected. If, if okay. there is a crack in it, Joe, it's, you're done. Mm -hmm. And that's why a lot of people go into these places scared or worried. And rightfully so, because, you know, most of the time it's their own mind that is playing tricks on them or, you know, causing the fear. But there's legitimate things out there that you need to be worried about. But it's not as predominant as you, you know, fortunately, it's not as predominant as people believe it is. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That was going to be one of my questions, too. You know, uh, it's, it's, it's hard for me to really watch some of these posts sometimes. and on any platform because everything is demonic, everything is evil, everything is out to get you, right? But it sells, it gets views. Sure. You know, people like that kind of stuff, sure. right? Mm -hmm. But, <laughs> you know, and I don't want to feed into that. But um, I, I did want to ask you, you think a person can be haunted? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, haunted is a word we use. Um, people right. have, you know, abilities or something going on where they feel like they're either sensitive to something supernatural or paranormal or things of supernatural paranormal nature happen around them more. And okay. it has to do with their consciousness or a psychic ability or some type of sensitive sensitivity on their part. And, uh, there could be different things. Um, you know, I've done research and investigated possible curses, possible, you know, possessed and demonic, you know, activity. Um, it's rare, but more so the psychokinetic phenomena that I was talking about is what they're dealing with. There's something psychic going on to where they're being, they're triggering the environment to do things. And it has more to do with them then it has to do with something else doing it to them. It, it's it's almost like a cocktail. If you get the right, right place, right time, right person, and if you constantly put those things together, you're going to have a recipe that's you know can cause issues. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that too. Yeah, I, I never thought about it like that, but yeah, I, I think you're uh, you're definitely on onto something and. Uh, and I, 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 this is just me taking the most educated guess. We really right. don't know for sure what psychic phenomena is, you know, especially from a right. scientific standpoint. We don't even understand consciousness scientifically. Right. Yeah. So we, we have to base our guesses on what's already been put out there based on our own experiences. And it just seems like the best way for me to tell folks that are interested in the topic, but really don't have a lot of experience or knowledge on it is the paranormal and the supernatural are morphic, unpredictable, and uh, it does not follow the cause and effect reality that we live in. It's almost like the, those types of laws and rules go out the window. It, I have a saying, you don't find the paranormal, the paranormal finds you. Okay. It's like, if you go out there and you try to find and film Bigfoot, or you try to film a ghost, or you try to capture that thing you experienced back in your early twenties, you're probably not going to, but it's going to happen to you when it wants it to happen to you. <laughs> yeah. It's probably going to be the time you're not holding a camera. <laughs> yeah. It, oh, always, always. Yeah. And I definitely agree with that too. Um, so you mentioned the supernatural. You've actually mentioned it a, a few times. Um, and I want to get into the Mothman with you, but I wanted to tell you a story that we were talking about earlier. Uh, a good friend of mine, he works with truck drivers. He's, a, he's in dispatch and he had a big footed uh, encounter. So he was, he asked his truck drivers all the time, hey, what's up the weird that, that you've seen? And a lot of these guys don't want to say anything. Mm -hmm. So my, my friend will say, well, okay, this happened to me. He'll tell him his, his, his Bigfoot encounter. This one truck driver, I don't remember if he was in Tennessee or Virginia, one of those states going down a, uh, some little highway and woods on both sides. He saw what he described as a werewolf walking on two legs, you know, of course. And it was taller than the hood of his truck, right? His head came up above the hood of his truck. And he's like, <laughs> well, I didn't want to say your name, buddy, but, uh, but I'm glad you're watching the show. Yeah, he says me. Yeah, he's the one that told me the story, Walter. So, as he 
passed by it, he looked out his side view mirror because he wanted to see it again, right? And when he looked in the mirror, it was a it was a man. You know? <laughs> so so what what do you think that was about? You know, and you know I can only speculate, guy, Joe. Right, I can yeah, only speculate, well, but what is what's possible is that a lot of times okay. This what what was the name of your friend again? Mr. Walter. Okay. What Walter, you're a truck driver. You no, no, he's not. He was talking to. A oh, he's talking to a truck driver. Okay, yeah. so the truck driver saw this. Yeah, You're, the truck driver saw it, not Walter, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So truck drivers, I work with truck drivers. I I work a shipping dock uh, in Hillsborough at Weeztech Incorporated. We uh, ship car parts, so I talk to truck drivers. I understand them. So when you're driving hours and hours and hours you it's almost like the same thing as you're you're sitting in front of your tv or anybody that has a long commute you're you you uh enter into a altered state of consciousness it's not like full-blown alert consciousness it's you your consciousness kind of shuts off so it's you're not boring yourself mindlessly paying attention to everything that you've paid attention to along the road every day for years potentially you're following me right so you you know how you have a long commute you've drove it a million times and you kind of daydream a little bit you kind of enter a little hazy moment of perception so when in my research when i find people that do that they're they enter into different states of consciousness and perception and they're able to perceive things differently so what could have happened was he perceived something that is normally always there but outside of our normal conscious perception that's why a lot of people they'll see a ghost they'll see something strange in the corner of their eye or right there momentarily but when they go to look back it's not there mm -hmm. so we, we enter altered states of consciousness at certain times mm -hmm. and i feel like that definitely could have been a moment where he saw something that is normally there but he's not normally conscious of so when he saw it initially, he's like, wait, that doesn't register as normal. He looks back and then his consciousness snaps into normal consciousness and he did not see what he saw before. Yeah. Or he could have seen it. <laughs> well, he did. So, you know, when we yeah. see things, we only see the things the way our consciousness tunes us to see it. But what I'm trying to say is we can. No, no, I don't. Okay, okay. I'll just message But um yeah, if you don't mind, man, uh, I know you talked about the Mothman before we came on mm -hmm. the air, uh, and you did some research and a documentary on that. Yeah, also? early on in my early film days, I did a documentary. Um, it's on my YouTube channel if you want to check it out. Uh, yeah, I live very close to Point Pleasant, West Virginia, where the Mothman sightings occurred. So... If you're not familiar with Mothman, back when uh, during the around the Silver Bridge collapse and the mid 1960s in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, there are some strange things happening. People were seeing an eight foot tall, dark owl like humanoid with huge wings and red glowing eyes flowing, flying around a concrete factory and around the Point Pleasant area. There is a TNT bunker area where uh, the army and the military stored munitions during the war. You can still go back them, go back there and check it out. It's really interesting. Uh, there was some things 
er, way, way earlier that people speculate about why the Mothman was like a curse to the area. Um, Chief Cornstalk was murdered in a fort along with his son. And a lot of people believe that's why the Mothman was a thing, but I don't think so. Um, and there was UFO, there's UFO sightings. And I don't know if you're in, um, in, uh, informed about injured cold. Yeah. So that's a whole thing. Um, I feel like the whole Ohio river area is just chocked full of this weird crap cryptids. Like there's the frogmen of Loveland. There's a little green man in Kentucky that basically sparked a whole, you know, underground Martian thing. Uh, Bigfoot, grass man, uh, ghosts, everything along the Ohio river is going to be strange. And Mothman is just one of them. Those people out there saw something nuts, but what's right. crazy is, um, it, it feels like, in, like a government conspiracy cover up because of the men in black, um, encounters people had after they saw the Mothman. So it makes me it makes me think that something happened, su a supernatural event happened around that time where it was happening during that time. I don't know if it was something that periodically happens or happens all the time, but people started talking to the media and to, you know, the police right. about these sightings and about injured cold and all this stuff. And uh it seemed like it sparked a whole conspiracy with, you know, the men in black and the, the you know, whole thing. So I, I, I definitely feel like they saw something, but it's something that no one will ever know for a fact that it actually happened because that's, that, that's the whole thing about the supernatural. It's, it's outside our material, what we perceive as reality. When people see Bigfoot, when people see Mothman, when people see these cryptids or ultra terrestrial type beings, they're not perceiving it in the normal reality where we perceive things. And that's why it sucks investigating it using science, because you can't replicate it. You can't predict when it's going to happen. Of course, you know, if you see a sign, a physical sign like a footprint or like a crop circle or something like that. It may be a hoax. It may not be, but there's really no way to tie that type of evidence to the actual phenomenon itself yet. Because when you, I mean, when you look at the whole giant conspiracy where, you know, they found the giants in the, you know, burial mounds all over the Americas, where are the remains? Well, if you research it, the Smithsonian supposedly has all the remains and you know if there were giants who's to say they weren't you know other things that were huge like bigfoot or other things out there that you know they just covered up it's <laughs> it seems like it's impossible for just average joes like us to find really hard evidence that they exist because even if you do and you get close these weird men and black people come and freak you out like look what happened to chad kalick and um his buddy from australia i don't know if you watch his stuff which did they have a show well chad calick went down to australia um right to investigate yeah, yeah. the uh the ghost that was on this island right but it ended up being an alien 
exactly. And, they have a documentary on Amazon. Yeah. Or they have Amazon, three of right? them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, it, the gray. Yeah. It, uh, Sir No Face is what it's called. Yeah. There, there you go. There you go. That's and they is. ended yeah. up getting messed with after they yep, started investigating it further. And a lot of bad things, like Chad Kalick almost died. And uh, I, right. uh, Powell is his, uh, the other guy's name is Powell. He had, he had bad things happen to him. So, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a, I, I have a friend who uh, got a phone call, a couple of phone calls from the uh, men in black after he had an encounter. Yeah. So it, it, it yeah. makes you wonder um, when you, when you do rabbit hole type research, when it comes to the supernatural, the government and private, you know, dark entities of, you know, these research groups are there to, you know, stop you at the door. You know, they right. don't or let you to. in. Yeah. And if you, if you persist, they'll just kill you. <laughs> I hope not. Oh, they kill Joe. They 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 kill people all the time for this stuff. It happens. I oh yeah oh yeah. I totally believe that. I totally believe it happens. But uh, yeah, I I just try not to rock the boat too much. You know, that's a good I, idea. Uh, yeah, and people have told me, hey, why don't you do a show on them? I'm like, nope, I will not do a show on that. I'll leave them alone. <laughs> and you know, hopefully they leave me alone. So you know, that's all that matters. So you know, yeah, I don't like talking about them too much, but. Uh, Cool beans, dude. We already come up on our hour already, man. It happens fast. Um, yeah, it happens pretty fast, man. So uh, why don't you give out your contact information, your social, or your social, your social media. <laughs> don't give out your social. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, my bank card number, my <laughs> everything. Yeah. Just yeah. wipe me clean. All right, man. Well, uh, you can find everything that I do at interfacedeath.net. It's I-N-T-E-R-F-A-C-E-D-E-A-T-H dot net. You can find out all of our social media platforms, our YouTube channel, everything that we do. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, X now, I guess. Um, even Twitch TV, we uh, multi-stream there. Uh, our, all of our documentaries on YouTube are on our website. So basically anywhere you can go online, you can find where we put stuff up there. And... uh Thanks again for having me on, man. Um, we'll do this again. I can bring you over to my channel. We can talk more about the, you know, the research you do and your, and your stories and, uh, we can go from there, but I appreciate you. Yeah. I appreciate you too, man. And hold on real quick. And, uh, yeah, everybody. Hey, thanks a lot. I really appreciate everyone in the comments. You guys did a great job as always. Um, I do appreciate you guys participating. Thanks, Sam. Um, yeah. Um, Sandra, take care of yourself, Sandra. I hope you get home soon if you're not home already. But uh, yeah, everybody, thanks a lot for tuning in. And uh, I will see you next Monday. I have a remote viewer on next Monday if you guys are interested in that. And uh, I finally remembered who I'm. I never remember who I have on the next Monday. I would just say, tune in. I don't remember. But I have a remote viewer on Monday. So you guys tune in for that. And everybody else, you guys have a good night. Justin, thanks a lot, buddy. I do appreciate it. No problem. We will talk to you next week, guys.